Welcome to the Faith Together podcast from the Center for Faith and Family at Olivet Nazarene University. If you believe that passing down Christian faith is essential for the next generation, you are in the right place. Enjoy conversations with guests who are faith practitioners, parents, caregivers, pastors, counselors, and many more. You'll enjoy practical tools and community for passing down Christian faith to your children and grandchildren. Welcome and thank you for being with us today. I am Leon Blanchett and I'm with Lindsay as usual. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, Leon. Hey, everybody. How are things for you? Things are great. Good. I've been really enjoying this series we've yes. been a part of. And today we're going to wrap it up. Oh, wow. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, episode four of this series. And we're going to be wrapping up a series on healthy parenting. Mm, love that. Yeah. And so we've, we've had some really good discussions about some pretty critical topics. We really have. All the way from mental health. Uh, to marriage and the importance of that relationship and what it looks like to co-parent with someone else if that's the situation that you might be in and how to take care of those relationships. And we even talked about attachment and how a parent and child and that attachment bond is important. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, we really encourage you to go back and do so. Right. And today... We are going to have some play. We are. We're going to have fun today, Leon. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to actually talk about the topic of play and the importance of it in passing fate to our kids. That may sound like an odd thing to you because play is just a waste of time, isn't it? Absolutely or is it? Not. No, it's yeah. not. And mm-hmm. so we have some special guests with us today. Dr. Don Schwarzkopf. Is that, did I say that correctly? You said that correctly, <laughs> okay, thank you. And... Is it soon to be doctor? It is. Soon yeah, to be got, doctor. I'm in the final leg of it, so yes. I've still got a good chunk to go. But we're okay. we'll, we're in that hopefully okay, that last great. year. Amanda Chorick, is that right? Did I say that correct, yes. Amanda? Yes. And they are both professors at Olivet. And so I'm gonna just, ladies, I'm gonna let you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about you. Okay, I'm uh, Dr. Don Schwarzkopf, and I spent 26 years in public ed as an elementary teacher and as a literacy coach before that, um, before I made the transition to Olivet. And I've been here nine years, and boy, was this definitely God's calling for me. It has been a wonderful experience being here. Um, so now I am the director of early childhood education at uh, in the School of Education at Olivet, And I get to teach what I'm passionate about. I teach reading courses. I teach children's literature. um, I get to work with students in their field experiences. So I'm really thankful for the things that I get to teach. And as well as education, my family is definitely an education family. My husband is retiring at the end of this year from Hersher School District after 35 years in special education. And um, my son and his wife are both teachers in elementary schools. My daughter is studying to be a BCBA and she's working here in the community in with autism, children with autism. And then I have my last son who doesn't want anything to do with education. He's a business major at Olivet right now. Excellent. Thank you. Hello and there. Amanda. Yes. Yes. Um, so Amanda Chorak and I returned back to Olivet in the fall of 2020. I am an ONU alum. 2003 graduate from the elementary education program. My current role is I'm assistant professor and child development program director. And I have the opportunity to work with all those that are seeking child development majors and the variety of career paths that that degree prepares them for. 
as well as um, supporting those students in the teacher education program. So love that opportunity. And after I left Olivet for my undergrad, I worked as a classroom teacher in the Chicago public school area and then went on to specialize my understanding of how children learn early on through a master's of child development and worked specifically pursuing the um, the role of a child life specialist, working in the hospital setting, recognizing all the psychosocial, emotional, and developmental needs that children and families have as they go across life's adversities. So that's what I did for close to a decade before returning back home to Olivet. This is the start of my fourth year, and which just seems crazy that time has flown that um, quickly. And I am happily married, 19 years um, this past June, and and the mom of a toddler. So I have a a very active, uh, soon-to-be two-year-old, and life's an adventure on top of all all the other things on my plate. Absolutely. Well, Thank you so much, Dawn and Amanda, for just sharing with us today. And you know that part of my story was my time in the education department at Olivet, the elementary ed uh, program specifically, and God rerouted my story into children's ministry. But there are still so many takeaways from the education world that, you know, I come back to again and again. So we so appreciate what both of you do. We honor you, and we're so grateful to have you with us today as we look at how we can come alongside kids with play. Why play might be the way kids spell love. I've heard that before, that kids spell love, P-L-A-Y, right? And so Mm -hmm. thinking through what does play look like? How can that impact our attachment with our kids? How can it help improve our family life? And ultimately we know because in this whole series, we've been talking about what is a healthy parent? What does healthy parenting look like? That when we're taking care of the mental, emotional, social realms of our lives, uh, our physical lives, just the whole piece of health, when we take care of those things, it plays directly into our spiritual lives and into faith together, which is what this podcast is all about. Yes, so, it is. Yeah. Good connection. Yeah. I like the way you just kind of threw the name in there. Yeah. yeah. Always, good. Leon. We always <laughs> want to throw the name in there because we love the name. We yes. love what it's all about, yeah. the mission behind it. Yeah. Yeah. What it represents, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So okay. let's just jump in here. And I would love to know what are the types of play that would benefit children? Oh my goodness. I would love to answer that question. So, you know, we know that children enter the world at birth wired for the propensity for play. So they, and what I mean by that, from early on when they're forming that secure attachment with that caregiver and learning about the world and learning to trust that they're going to have their needs met, um, there's this beautiful dance that can happen um, when a typical, when a secure attachment is being formed in which that child learns to trust that person that's going to respond to their cues and give them their needs and make sure those needs are met. And there's that instant wiring for that socialization. They're wired for that interaction, that back and forth. Mama says something, baby's eyes respond, lock with the the caregiver typically. And there's this beautiful, this serve and return that goes on, this lovely dance. And in that, there's playfulness that can take place. So early on, just even with the language and the, the melodic songs that come from that baby talk, as we hear parents do, that parentese, that is playful. And then that evolves into peekaboo and, oh, aren't you special? such a special little boy? And all the back and forth rhythm that is developed, that's play. 
And then from there, learning we might look like tummy time, but they are working on that's play. They are learning about how to see things better. They're they're hearing that language that's in their environment, and all along through that ear, those early play experiences. They're, they're learning, their brain is developing. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, I just want to pause there for a yeah. second because I think so many times when we think about play, we think, oh my goodness, I've got to get out a board game or I need to go run laps outside with my kids and I just don't feel like doing that right now. And, or they're not to the age to really play yet. You know, I just have a very little one or maybe you're expecting a baby or whatever that might look like for you. Like, I, I just don't think we'll be doing these things for a while. And what you're saying, Amanda, is that it starts at the very beginning. It does. It mm-hmm. does. And it's so, it picks back, you know, we think that, yes, having their basic needs met, um, helping them sleep, helping them eat, meeting their cues when they're crying, which is communication, and helping them learn that they have a voice. But in that interaction, we, we, we're we building us um, that relationship. Um, and we are socially wired to, to have that connection. And through that interaction, that's how play happens. So you don't, you, you can just as mom or dad, have yourself. Whoever that caregiver is, yourself is the person that that can be the the play source, the source to facilitate play through songs and stories, um, read alouds, and 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 those types of things, right? And yeah, and as I talk a lot about it in my class in children's literature, we work some on um, really talking about nursery rhymes and doing a little bit more like with peekaboo and ways that we can play games with our hands and mimic things. And our kids really need to hear nursery rhymes. It has gone by the wayside. And when I bring these back up to my students here in college, they're not even familiar or remember half of the nursery rhymes that are out there. And all of that is good language, good language that through play, they're hearing you the ups and downs and the silliness and the just the returning back and forth to each other as we do this. So it's really important that we bring back some of those basic nursery rhymes and little stories and finger plays. Yeah, I like that because we usually don't think of nursery rhymes as part of play, right? So Amanda, you said something that I want to connect our listeners listeners to. So last week we talked about attachment theory with Dr. Gasson and and that's part of what you're talking about here is the attachments that are made that are so critical. She spent a great time with us just sharing the importance of those uh, at a very early age, starting that attachment process, right? Absolutely. It's so vital for setting up for our understanding of self and trusting our environment, trusting others in our world that translates long down the road into adulthood. So absolutely. That's good. So we've talked a little bit about the importance of starting early. So I'm assuming you would support that like from birth, we're we're engaging with these play with with our children. But for uh, many of our listeners, their kids are beyond that and their elementary age and maybe even older than that. So uh, Christmas is coming up and we're thinking about toys that we're going to be buying for our kids and different things. So when you think about toys or things we buy to help our kids engage in play, what do you have some recommendations there? You know, we oftentimes in our current day and age, we want to go to the all the bells and whistles, all the gadgets, the light up, the the tech toys, right? And while those serve a great purpose and have a wow factor, there is something um, very, very foundational and important and um, more beneficial for children and families that can foster relationship building, 
help them learn about their family culture. What are the shared traditions and the practices that make make our family who they are, um, a sense of belonging and their identity development that can come from what are those special holiday traditions, those things that, that families can share. And yes, having toys and, and things that meet their interests are great, but there's something really, really important that has a long lasting impact when there's that shared benefit. So maybe for the school ager, it's tying in family game night and incorporating games where they're interacting together with the caregivers, with the children, that all the siblings of that family. Maybe it's those special holiday traditions and experiential type of gifts where they're really getting to learn more about their caregiver. They're having lasting impact memories and those we know are going to stand and build the brain and help with um, growing even long after their school age years all through an experiential but play at the the source of it that's really good i have i have two young uh, grandchildren and every time that we come to their house uh, they want to play the matching game so they live in the cincinnati area so they have like cincinnati Bengals matching Uh, cards, you know, you turn them all over and you're trying to make the matches and stuff. And they love doing that. And it's such a great connection point with them. There's nothing distracting us. It's just us having a good time together. Uh, the hardest part is when one wins and the other doesn't, you know, having to deal with those, those things. <laughs> that's yeah. that's but, always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's really a great time uh, to engage and connect with them. And I would almost say too, for some of the older children, like what you're asking about, A lot of them are really into Legos, but you can buy very, very expensive sets of Legos that are Star Wars or that are, you know, some big thing and you're paying a lot of money for them. Honestly, you don't need those. They usually follow the directions, put them together once, and then they lose half of those pieces. So just buying a regular set of Legos or other type of manipulatives that then you can build and create your own things with your family. So, you know, the more, even like the connects, things like that, that are a little bit higher level for our older kids would really be great to have that time to sit down, to create, to build. Um, Same kind of thing with arts and crafts. I was never really an arts and craftsy type person, even though I taught young children, but if you have some of those arts and crafts out there where they're just focused on what they're doing with it, there's so much time to interact, to talk, to share, to um, create things together with each other. So I think that's another way for our older children that those types of gifts would go a lot further. Yeah, so I'm hearing you say that it doesn't have to be the newest, the latest, the greatest, the flashiest, as you said, Amanda, with the, all the wow factor. I mean, those things serve a purpose for different times. But when we think about play, we think about keeping it simple and keeping the connection as the central part of play that you're able to connect together, be creative, all those sorts of things. I, I absolutely love that. And we know that that play does uh, impact the brain, correct? And so we wanted to give some time to just talk a little bit because as I shared earlier, we, we believe that all of our health from our social emotional health to our mental health to our physical health, it all matters as we pass faith down to kids and those that we love. And so Uh, We wanted to give some time to the science behind play and what current brain research may say about it. Amanda, do you have some thoughts on that? Sure, yeah. There's, There's a growing amount of research. We had a lot before, but it's even more in the recent years. And the neuroscience... Um, that's in connection with play is just fascinating. We know that when 
the child is engaged in play, they are growing those synapses. They are literally growing connections in the brain. And that's what we need to see, especially in those early years, those zero to three impactfully and then beyond up till through like age eight. Still, the brain continues to grow, but there's a pruning process that happens down the road. And so the more that a child's engaged in play, the more we're working that. We're really beefing it up. We're giving a chance um, to set them up for success for down the road for executive functioning and for learning the, the skills that are going to be needed to perform well in society, but also in school settings. And so when a child's engaged in play, we also know from the research that the, the body is not able to produce cortisol or we're not seeing cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Um, so play is going to reduce stress. It's going to give a chance for connection. And it's also growing those synapses. We're giving a chance to really make learning possible for down the road all through a simple interaction. Um, and then it gets compounded and even more benefited because then we're building, we have the opportunity to um, learn social interaction and how to um, emotional mm -hmm. regulation. We're also learning and gaining that language rich piece. So we're compounding that. I love that. That is so, so powerful to think about as you're building with Legos, you're building the brain, you know? I mean, it's, it's amazing to see how those things can all come together in just a connecting piece of playing, spending time together, sharing together. Yeah, that really is amazing because I think usually when we think about play, I think for most people, play is just something kids do. It keeps them out of trouble, gives them something to do. Their, uh, their brain's not developed to do other things enough, and so they kind of play is the only option. But what we're saying here is that play is not only important, but it's, it's critical to, the, to their development. Really, really is. It's, it's so vital. And translating to what the academic performance is going to look like, we know that children that play and have those rich, meaningful experiences that help build a robust brain early on, they're going to do, they're going to have better focus and concentration. They're going to do better. They're going to have stronger language um, components, all those things that are so needed when they get to the school setting. Yeah, we want them to be very intentional in their play as they're doing things. That's really important. And if you've noticed, none of what we've talked about today has anything to do with technology. We have not mentioned using TV, watching movies together, and we haven't talked about putting them on a tablet or a phone, and we know that is abundant right now. And, you know, as I say this, some parents might even be shaking their head like, that's me. I know I, I get tired and I hand the tablet over to my child while I'm scrolling on the phone. And we understand that there's times like that, but those are not, if that gets to be too much, we're really doing damage to our children and I do a workshop with families in the community um, through a grant I got. It's been about seven years through the PNC Grow Up Great Grant. And they come for eight different sessions and they leave with manipulatives each time. But it's all things that they can do to interact with their preschool child and to prepare them to be ready for kindergarten. And we, during that entire workshop, nothing there is technology either because that's not necessary for them to help their children learn and create. And, and even at the end of that um, PNC workshop in the spring, I do a field trip and we go down to the Children's Discovery Museum and that's in normal. And any time that parents can take their children to a museum, to a park, to um, even right here in our own community, Exploration Station is fabulous for our kids to go to. 
no two days are alike when you go to one of those places they can play and play and play and um, I love it when I take my students there and they play and play and play as college <laughs> students but um, we also get to see parents I ask them to kind of watch as they interact and it's interesting when we come back how they can see that some parents were so involved with their child and interacting and others were just letting their child play while they were scrolling on their phone and they could tell the difference in the way the child was reacting. So I find that very valuable yeah, too. That's good. It reminds me that, um, uh, you mentioned creation station, uh, exploration, exploration station. station. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, creation station. That's something else. Exploration station here in town. And, uh, my grandkids are going to be coming to visit us for Thanksgiving. So we were talking to them about that the other day and they were expressing how excited they were to come to Papa and T's house. And afterwards I was talking with my daughter and she said, dad, they want to go to exploration <laughs> station. That's why they want to come to your house. Yeah. I'm like, okay, got the real story Perfect there. Place. Okay, all right. Uh, Don, so you I better see you down on the ground playing with them <laughs> oh, at exploration station. Oh. Tell me when you're going to be there and I'll oh. come observe. Okay, that'd be great. <laughs> I would expect no less. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, the getting down's easy. The getting up's not, not, not as easy as it used to be. We're all getting there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, Don, you mentioned this grant that you're working mm-hmm. on with preschool families. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. And if any of our listeners might want to get involved in that, okay. how that might happen. I just applied um, for that back in, about seven years ago, and I just put the next application in. And so I've received um, a good chunk of money from the PNC Grow Up Great Grant through the PNC Bank over the last seven years. And so every fall and spring, I run an eight-week session Um, The parents get to come in. They have a catered meal brought in for them. Then my students um, in early childhood, elementary, and child development come and they are the caregivers for the children. So they, um, we have it at the YMCA Child Care Center now, and they're able to then take the children to a playroom and play with them the entire time while I'm teaching the parents an early learning topic. Each of the different eight weeks is a different topic. And then we come back together and um, if the kids aren't extremely exhausted from having played too much, (laughs) um, then they get to practice what we just did together. And then they get to take home materials that we've talked about or that we've used. Like last week, it was pattern blocks. And a lot of families don't think about pattern blocks and all the ways you can use those. And so they always get to take something with them when they go. Um, So it's just, it's been a real blessing. And so the way that they, it's usually I send out information to schools and to teachers. And I also have a Facebook page that's the PNC Grow Up Great Workshop for um, Olivet. And so they can look on there and each spring and fall, there would be a way that they could click on that and 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 register for the event but they have to have a three to five year old and live in kankakee county okay of course that's pretty limited for our listening audience Mm -hmm. to this area but i assume there's probably programs like this throughout other communities correct i would hope so yes that there are others i can't say for sure what they have in other communities but They should reach out and try to find some of those things where they can become involved. Now, this is a free program because I have a grant, but if they don't have a free program, I mean, we have like Little Me Studio right across the street here from Shine too, that they do great things with the kids. Yes, there's a cost to that, but it's also interacting and play as well. So some families may take that route if you don't have a free workshop to go with. I love those ideas and I agree. Little Me Studio is a great great organization here in our community and anything that you can include art with for kids is such a win in my experiences that I've seen 
kids just respond so well to art in all different aspects and levels and all those things. So those are some great places to start wherever you are in your community. Uh, If you have questions about how maybe you can plug into play more so in your communities, Uh, We're happy to see what we could find out for you. You can reach out to us and uh, we have our website where you can put in a message. And if you're really looking to get connected to someone, please let us know and we can do our best to connect you there. So um, as we're wrapping up this conversation, I had one more thought that I wanted to bring up um, as we focus on passing on faith to kids in our lives and and sharing Jesus with them to give them uh, ownership of their faith as they grow. uh, What else would you incorporate in play that might have a faith element to it? Yeah, I'll, you know, we know that the research shows that a child starts forming that spiritual relationship and that, that spiritual development between zero to six years of age. So it, believe it or not, happens early on. And it's connected with those predictable routines and rituals and that shared family culture that, that the child is learning. Um, they're seeing, you know, we go to church on certain days and we we say certain prayers together. And when I, I have these experiences, I have this closeness with my, my loving caregiver, those people that I know I'm learning to trust through that secure attachment and I, that I'm playing with. And so those traditions, those everyday routines and rituals really help plant those seeds early on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the language development that's connected with that and what songs are said and what prayers and what stories we read. And, and you know, with those um, at Christmas time, the nativity set, little, you know, little tykes even has the little Fisher Price little people set that they can pretend and play with. But it's really in those shared experiences that, and those things that they come to expect, those predictable things. And yes, you know, experience, um, traditions and some of those holiday um, practices can get woven in there. Um, but that that's the big takeaway for me of how I think you start planting those seeds early on mm-hmm. and know that it starts early. And I, I have a tangible way of describing that too. One of my good friends who's in my women's small group has a toddler, a two-year-old, and they decided that they wanted her to start learning scripture and that they wanted, they felt like they should be memorizing scripture themselves. So not only did they do their story, their regular read aloud at bedtime, but they also did a Bible story. And then thankfully they've been using a lot of what we have um, at the church where we go together that they've been using those Bible verses, but they've also done harder ones. And so just recently my friend has posted a picture, a video of her daughter saying this Bible verse that we've been doing with her just once a week in Sunday school. Um, but being able now to do that every night at home and being able to say that, and she's two and she's able to like do all the motions and put the Bible together, the hands together like a Bible. And she can say Deuteronomy. I mean, come on. (laughs) So big shout out to my friend for doing that. It's something I wish that I had started doing back when I had my littles because that's something that you can just continue to build on and all the scriptures that your child learns as well as you learn. It's like she, her husband and her daughter are all, all living this together. So that's a real way that you can tie that in. And that is still considered play mm-hmm. as you're yeah. playing with the Absolutely. Bible verse, you're playing with the the sound of it. You're playing with the Bible. It's, it's just, it, it's a great way to integrate. Yeah. And for some of us, we learn this a little bit late in the, late in the game. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Don. I wish I had known some of this stuff when I was younger. I was a children's pastor when I was younger. I should have known better, <laughs> right? But now I love having grandkids because it gives you a second chance. 
And so we're trying to incorporate these things uh, in the lives of our grandkids. One of the things I do, I probably shouldn't say this on the air because it's kind of a secretive thing. So I'm letting you all in on a secret that I'm not sure my family knows. Oh, man. So every time I'm with my grandkids before I go... I pray the the blessing of numbers over them, oftentimes not out loud, just mm-hmm. may the Lord bless you, keep you and give mm-hmm. you peace. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think uh, those are opportunities. I'm also going to take more opportunities to do reading with them. Mm-hmm. They love to have books read. And I just think those things are going to make such significant differences down the road. They so do. And let yeah. me just throw one thing in then too, depending on what their age is, well, or not. Use some wordless picture books Yes, yes. because wordless picture books tell a phenomenal story, but you have to tell the story. You just look at the pictures only actually with my couple's small group. I'm doing a wordless picture book right now with adults in my couples and it's, I'm adding more to it. But if you can, and just look it up, just Google wordless picture books and you will have so many great ones come up and they will be great ones for you to play with each other as you talk about what you think is happening in the story, what you think is going to happen next. They don't have to be able to read a word. Wow. Well, this has been good for me. Lindsay, Absolutely. I see you smiling over there, I think. I know. These are, these are such great takeaways and I think I'm smiling the most because what I'm realizing is all of you who are listening, I think sometimes we come to a podcast to listen, to learn, to, okay, what should I do? You know, how should I pass on faith? And we just keep coming back to this theme, Leon, I think again and again, that it's not complicated, that it is in the everyday, the walking, the going, the bedtime, the sleeping, the the going to church, the, you know, being in the car and just engaging and connecting with each other in those everyday moments. It doesn't mean that the special times of year like Christmas that's coming up and Advent and all those things aren't important. They are. And we're going to talk about those things in our next series. But it's just in the everyday moments that make a really big difference. Small is really big for kids. And I'm just, I'm encouraged by that today. Yeah, you would think that the writer of Deuteronomy 6 kind of knew what he was talking about, huh? (laughs) Just a little bit. Uh, When he said, (laughs) as you were at home and away Mm -hmm. from home and on the road and away from, you know, all those things. So, um, yeah. So thank you, ladies, for being with us and helping us just understand the significance of play and really how easy it is. Just with a little intentionality, a little bit of thinking through what we're trying to do, what an impact it can make. Uh, on our kids' lives. So remember, our our goal here is to help raise up spiritual giants in our children, and this is one of the ways to begin the process. So we hope this has been helpful to you today, and uh, thank you for joining us once again. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and give you peace. You've been listening to the Faith Together podcast from the Center for Faith and Family at Olivet Nazarene University. Sign up for additional resources at centerff.com. When building faith, we are better together.